Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Hi, thanks, Dave. 909, quickly to Ron Lieber, author of The Price You Pay for College, an entirely new roadmap for the biggest financial decision your family will ever make. Ron's been with us before. Good morning, Ron. How are you? Hey, how are you? Thanks for taking the time with us. We talk about the pricey cost of college, how you can make the best decisions for affording it for you or for your kids, and what you know need to know for ultimately choosing the right school. And about We're going to start with FAFSA that have uh, problems that have been going on, and, and I, I don't think there's anything. I, I can remember explicitly when my kid turned, uh, I guess, from junior year, and I got the speech from the guidance counselor about FAFSA, and my eyes glazed over. I'm not kidding, Ron. It can be a daunting and confusing process, can it not? Absolutely. And here's what's going on with that, right? For decades now, we've known that this is a really difficult form to fill out, uh, you know, it's hard for everyday people with, you know, sort of standard issue full-time jobs. But, you know, if you've got... Let me a take a step back, if I can jump in for one second, Rob, and tell people yeah. what FAFSA is for those that don't know. Let's start there. Sure. So the FAFSA is the federal financial aid form, and you've got to fill it out if uh, you or your kid wants to access federal student aid. So what is federal student aid? Well, that's the Pell Grant for lower income students. That's federal student loans, like subsidized loans and you know unsubsidized loans, Parent PLUS loans. And then there's also uh, the work study program where the federal government helps pay schools that offer on-campus jobs. So this is separate and apart from the financial aid, the, the scholarships and grants that a school may offer on its own. Uh, although many schools will use the FAFSA for its own purposes. So you pretty much have to fill it out if you want financial aid. Gotcha. With that being the context, let's go into what's happened. So for decades now, we have known and federal legislators have known that this is a giant pain, right? You know, there were a hundred and some questions. It would take a lot of time to fill out. People would make mistakes. Uh, if your family situation was complicated, if there was a divorce or something else uh, a little unusual, uh, it could be even harder. And so in 2020, Congress passed a law to both change the form and make it shorter and simpler and less mistake prone, and also to change the formula that the education department uses to decide who qualifies for what. 
But because this was so complicated, they needed over at the education department a full three years to sort it all out. And then when they launched the new thing at the end of last year, it did not go so well. Define did not go so well. Well, so I wrote about this, uh, my day job at the New York Times on December 31st. I've got a kid who's a senior in high school, so God we're filling you. out the FAFSA. Yeah. yeah, and so I wanted to road test this thing right when they debuted the new online form. And the education department sort of helped itself to a so-called soft launch where it was like trying to get tickets for Beyonce or something. You're like, <laughs> Hanging away at the website and you can't get in. They finally opened it up for half an hour and it's not working very mm. well. Um, so it started there, but um, you know it's gotten worse. For a while, the uh, department had not uh, revised an important set of uh, inflation tables that you know causes the the financial aid quotes to be you know, sort of keeping up with inflation. There's been a lot of inflation the last three years, so that's pretty important. Well, that wasn't part of the formula. And so they had to fix that, and that is delaying the processing of all these forms until next month. So, you know, imagine you're a financial aid administrator over at Tulane or Loyola or LSU or whatever, and you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs waiting for all these numbers to come in from the federal government, and you can't finalize pricing for any of your students, current students or admitted students. So everything is on pause. Meanwhile, back at the farm, you got a son that's a senior, or they have people that are other uh, students, that have other kids, rather, that are students waiting to see what happens. This is all plotted against the timeline. Those of us with kids understand that have, that have either been through high school or in the process of it. Exactly, right? So the way this usually happens is that you fill out your FAFSA form in October. Uh, maybe kids start getting in right around then if it's a school that has, you know, so-called rolling admissions, or maybe it starts happening in December or January, and you get a price quote, right, a so-called financial aid award letter, and then you've got a couple months to make up your mind and maybe, you know, pit one school against the other and, you know, see how much money you've got saved or whether your income has changed and you know, you can make a relatively uh, reasoned decision without being in a rush. So that's all different this year. And now the schools are all sort of having to scramble, right? So a bunch of them have extended the, you know, normal May 1st deadline for high school seniors to make a decision. They've extended that a month. And some schools uh, have kind of developed their own uh, hacked together financial aid forms uh you know, to figure out how to make uh, um, uh, to, to to make their to make their own offer sooner without having to wait for the data um, from FAFSA to come in. How did this all go so wrong? So this is an excellent question. Um, the education department has said very little about exactly why the inflation figures were screwed up so badly. Um, another big issue for families um, where one parent doesn't have a Social Security number, but the kids are citizens and so fully entitled to financial aid, the form doesn't work for them. So they've been sort of stuck in the mud for months now. Um, 
And the Education Department has not said very much about what happened in the last year or three um, that caused this not to be finished on time. You know, my assessment of this is that there is a lot of blame to go around, right? The Republicans are, you know, making great hay of this, accusing the Biden administration of, you know, sort of concentrating too much on uh, student loan, you know, forgiveness programs that they've been working their way through. So they're saying, well, everybody at the Education Department was distracted and, you know, didn't get this done. But is that true? Uh, well, I, 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 we can't know for sure. But here's what I will say. Um, this was a, a bipartisan effort to try to fix the FAFSA. And um, there was a real failure in Congress to give the Education Department, you know, more money and more resources in the way of a bigger budget to put more uh, you know, human beings on the case to get all this done in time. And, you know, that, too, was was a bipartisan failure. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who don't believe that, uh, you know, any governmental agency deserves more money ever for anything. But we've asked the Education Department in Washington to do a lot the last couple of years. You know, we sort of forget that they had to switch the whole student loan payment system off in March 2020 at the behest of a you know Republican administration that made the right decision to put student loans on pause. Well, like 40-some million people, they had to have their loans turned off, and then they had to have them all turned on again last year. So, you know, the Education Department has had to do an awful lot. So, you know, I think it's fair to question, you know, did they have enough resources? Did uh, were they actually facing an impossible task? What's the old saying? Success has many fathers, failures, and off orphan. That seems to be what's going on here. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 very simple to default to sort of you know pat finger blaming, um, and it's tempting to do that in an election year, right, to achieve some sort of advantage. Um, but I just don't think it's all that simple. And the other thing, and I don't mean to go down this pathway because that's not where you're here, but you mentioned about federal spending, and I don't know that you could find anybody more fiscal, fiscally conservative than am I, but you talked about inflation over the last three years, and, and that means the price of everything has gone up for everybody, and the government is not excluded from that, so it really isn't fair to expect inflation not to impact governmental services, accurate? This is true. And the part of the education department that administers all this stuff, right, the student loans and the change in the, uh, the FAFSA formula and creating the new form and managing the outside contractors who, you know, have to get paid, their budget has been flat, right? They did not get more money uh, as inflation rose. So, you know, I think it's reasonable to ask, right, did they have uh, enough resources to get the job done? So as it stands now, I'm guessing it would have been better if they had either not changed it or not. They didn't have everything in place before they attempted to change it. Would that be a more accurate way? Yeah, I think that's right. And, you know, there's a reasonable question to be asked about whether, you know, four or five months ago, six months ago, when people inside the education department almost certainly saw it coming because, you know, advocates in the higher education space, saw it coming and were worried that this was going to go badly, you know, they could have raised their hands um, and, you know, sort of shouted to Congress, 
hey, we're going to miss this deadline. And because, you know, the deadline to get all this done by December 31, 2023 is no longer reasonable, feasible or possible, please pass, uh, you know, a revision to the law right now that gives us another year. And we'll just use the old FAFSA form and the old FAFSA formula for one more year so that we make sure when we get this launched that we get it right. And they didn't do that. And here we are. Let me take a break. We'll pick it up when we come back. Uh, Ron is also here to help you, and we'll talk about his book when we come back, to find out about the pricey cost of college if you have seniors and, and, and what colleges do to put butts in seats because they have to fill classrooms. It's a business when you get right down to it. Um, and some of the ways you can decide if you're getting the most free educational buck, some of the the, the things to uh, try to avoid if you can, some of the ways to take advantage of some systems if you can. Author of The Price You Pay for College, an entirely new roadmap for the biggest financial decision your family will ever make. Ron Lieber will take a break. Come back with him in a moment. I'm Tommy Tucker. More in a flash. WWL. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Nine twenty-eight. Uh, a couple of quick traffic notes for you. Traffic is down to one lane right now on the I-10 coming into the city at the high rise after an accident. It's allowed to move past Chef. It was closed, but now it's allowed to move Chef. But only one lane is open, so expect heavy delays there. The Bell Chase drawbridge is closed after, ironically, AT&T workers damaged a water line. And, and you're always supposed to call 811 before you dig. And I'm sure it was just an accident. Anyway, they're fixing it. So the new bridge is open with two-way traffic that the uh, Plaquemines Parish Sheriff's Office, Jerry Turlich, is controlling. And, of course, Woodland Highway would also be your alternative there. Ron Lieber, our guest, author of The Price You Pay for College, an entirely new roadmap for the biggest financial decision your family will ever make. You mentioned earlier, Ron, about the FAFSA foul-up and how the government should have waited, Biden administration shouldn't have waited to roll this thing out, it seems like, uh, until it was ready to go. And the, and the problems that it's causing, just to, to recap, the, that's those problems are being manifested how? What does it mean to a person that has is either waiting to, to see what aid they get or to the school that's waiting to see what aid they can dispense because that all factors into their business model of putting students in seats, does it not? Exactly, right? So the problem you've got uh, if you're a family and there's you know somewhere between 15 and 20 million people who fill out the FAFSA each year is you're not going to get the results from the FAFSA uh, 
you know, until or the, the schools are not going to get the results from the FAFSA until at least next month. And then they need a couple of weeks to process them. And how late so is that, school- Ron? If they don't get them until next month, what's the norm on that usually? Well, n- normally you you can hear back as early as, you know, October or November. OK. So the problem you've got is that you've got to – if you or your kid is currently in college, you're not going to know until much later than usual what the price is going to be for next year. So it's hard to plan financially. But the big problem is for people who are going to go to college for the first time next fall, um, they're going to have much less time to make a decision – once they do get their price quotes, their so-called financial aid award letters, and the schools, which are always under a lot of pressure to get the butts in the seats and the heads in the beds, um, their timeline is going to be compressed as well. So there's you know, a much better chance than usual that they're going to end up in a situation where they are oversubscribed, you know, not enough beds for all the heads, mm-hmm. uh, or undersubscribed. And, you know, if you miss your number by a couple hundred students, you know, times, uh, you know, 10 or 20 or, you know, $90,000 they might pay at Tulane, um, you can, you know, really blow your financial projections and end up with a, with a big hole in your budget. Yeah, you're talking about it from the school standpoint, and, and I would like to talk about that business model if we can, because um, I look at it as an unsold concert ticket. If you have a semester that goes by with an empty seat, you're never going to get that revenue back. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Okay. So what kind of pressure is put on admission counselors or the people that supply aid, because in a way it's kind of like buying in a car, buying a car almost in a negotiation. I hate to make it sound like that, but they ha- they know that if that seat goes unfilled or that dorm room goes empty, that's revenue they'll never get. They need revenue based on their budget projections, so they might be willing to wheel and deal a little bit. And their way of wheeling and dealing is with financial aid. Talk me through all of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, the car analogy is an interesting one because a lot of car dealerships, um, you know, they've got monthly sales quotas, right? Each of the salespeople do. Now imagine, you know, you've got one hand tied behind your back and for, you know, 60 or 70 percent of the people who come into the dealership, you know, between uh, February 1st and February 20th, you can't offer them a price. You can't, right? and you can't qualify them. You don't know what what they can afford a month, correct? That's correct okay. as well, right? So that's the spot that the schools are in. So normally they're using these, you know, sort of sophisticated computer algorithms to, you know, kind of suck in the financial data they have about people who are applying for aid or um, even for people who have a lot of money. And then they're trying to figure out, you know, what sort of price to offer them that might get them to say yes. So if you've got to speed that whole process up and do it over the course of, you know, six or seven weeks instead of the normal three to six months, you are going to make mistakes, right? Um, You know, a bunch of schools will get lucky and get it right, but they're going to be mistakes. Um, And so uh, as, uh, you know, somebody who works in a college, right, if you're in that spot, you've either got to cross your fingers and plan to, you know, pull a lot of all-nighters in April and May or come up with some other 
solution, like, you know, inventing your own form just for this year or giving people extensions, right? Um, and what this means for families, especially parents of high school seniors who are in the mix, all sorts of unpredictable stuff is going to go on at the last minute. And if schools find themselves short, they might offer bigger discounts uh, at the last minute than they usually do just to make up for the shortfall that they had not anticipated. They won't call it a discount, discount though. What will they call it, a scholarship? Yeah, they don't refer to it as discounts or coupons. Well, you no, know, I'm, and trying I'm just to trying to take some of the mystery away from it, Ron, because yeah, when, you, when you get yeah. right down to it, we like to think of, you know, um, yeah, Zimmer Hall and uh, and and Fiegel, uh Dorm and all this kind of stuff and the hallowed halls. When you get right down to it, they're running a business, correct? Exactly, right? And I'm glad you stopped me there because I'm trying to retrain consumers to, you know, think of these things as discounts and coupons. But what they refer to them as is like scholarships or grants or so-called merit aid, right? Like Mm -hmm. a dean's award, a presidential scholarship. Um, And, you know, you think you're getting it because you've done something good. And sometimes that's true, right? You know, a better than average student for a particular school might get a better than average merit aid offer. Um, The thing that gets all confusing for people, right, is like the, the federal government and the FAFSA, that aid is based entirely on what you earn and what you have. That's so-called need-based aid based on the financial need for assistance that you demonstrate. Um, you know, the flim-flam that happens with some of this, uh, you know, merit aid and presidential scholarships, um, sometimes that money is used to entice wealthy families who have the ability to pay, you know, Seventy-five thousand uh, dollars, you know, at at, uh, at Loyola, or you know, fifty thousand dollars at Dillard, or whatever, but don't have the willingness to do so, maybe because they don't think it's worth it, right? Um, and so they're looking to this so-called merit aid system uh, to make it cheaper, right? With and an end so, game there, Ron, of getting the family to either donate something, make it up in another way, or the prestige of having the family there, or what? What's the the goal there? Well, I mean, think about it this way, right? Um, you might have a list price at a private institution of, you know, 50 or 75 grand or an all-in, uh, you know, retail price at a public institution of, you know, 20 or 25, including room and board. But maybe at that public institution, you get enough state subsidies and other revenue uh, that you only really need to collect an average of $17,000, uh, per student per year, right? And so you can afford to throw an average uh, of you know several thousand dollars in aid at folks, right? So you've got a decision to make about how to allocate that extra money you have available to entice students. And what institutions have found is that you know, if your cost to educate and house and feed a student is, let's say, you know, $30,000 a year, and you've got a list price of $60,000 a year, well, if you give $20,000 in merit aid out, you're still going to collect $40,000 from that student. And that student has a $10,000 
profit margin because you only need $30,000 on average to make your numbers work, right? So everybody wins, right? The family gets a $20,000 presidential scholarship. Parent feels like they've done a great job. They're getting some kind of, uh, you know, pat on the back. Um, The kid feels like they've won a big award. But to the institution, that kid is still highly profitable, and they can take that $10,000 profit and keep it for themselves or, you know, put it into a new dorm or throw it to a lower income kid who really needs the help. And that $10,000 is in lieu of an empty seat, which, as we said earlier, is revenue that they would never, ever see. Exactly, right? If a bunch of people won't say yes at the $60,000 list price, but they will say yes uh, at the $40,000 discounted price, you don't care that those families are millionaires, right? You just care about that $40,000. Much like, and, and you know, I apologize to anybody in, in the university system for, for uh, maybe I should apologize to people in a car business now. I don't know who I should apologize to, Ron. Let me just apologize to everybody and get it over with. But, um, it is a business, and as a result of that, they do want to build. I was talking to somebody the other day that had a Range Rover. I don't know anything about Range Rovers, but I, I grew up in a gas station. Okay, My dad owned a service station. I worked in auto repair and so forth before I went to school and all that stuff. But I realize it's just a, a drivetrain, an engine, and four wheels, okay? And some people decide to pay 125000 for a Ranger over. I think there's this 240000 Mercedes Chewbacca. What's the name of it? May, May Chew, Mayhaw, whatever they like. <laughs> Maybach. Maybach. That's who it is, Maybach. Um, and, and they choose to do that. But, again, it's still a drivetrain and four wheels, and they build a certain prestige into this, and that's how they sell these things for so much money. That is not that much different than what universities do, is it? Uh, you know, it's an interesting proposition. Um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, some people will extract a lot of extra value out of a more expensive institution under certain circumstances. Networking, right? so et cetera, and connections? Yeah, right? So it's like, I don't know, think about it this way, right? Um, if you've got a 17-year-old in your household who is an ace, software developer, just really good with computers. And that kid knows for sure that they want to start a company as soon as possible after graduation, right? So uh, that kid gets into, you know, Stanford, and that's going to cost you close to $400,000 over four years. That kid also gets into the, you know, LSU Honors College, right? And they could go study engineering up there and you know maybe would cost only 50 to a hundred thousand dollars over the course of four years i got news for you all the snobs who work at venture capital firms give a lot more credence to the stanford degree than they do to the lsu one moreover if you're going to college you know uh, just a mile from where a lot of the big venture capital firms uh keep their offices, and many of those people also went to Stanford, right? Going to Stanford's going to make a difference, right? So even though you're paying, you know, a quarter of a million dollars or more uh, extra for Stanford, if you're going to get, you know, a $5 million investment from a venture capital firm with Stanford stamped on your resume, it's going to be much harder to do that if you've gone to LSU. Well, What's your return on investment there? Even if the level of education is constant for both, right? 
Exactly. I mean, the level of education may actually be better at LSU, Mm -hmm. right? Maybe the classes are smaller, right? A lot of the computer science classes at Stanford are way oversubscribed, right? The professors at Stanford all have consulting contracts on the other side, uh, you know, on the outside, right? The the teachers at LSU may actually be better. Um, But if they're not as well connected, if the institution isn't as well connected, then you can't blame somebody for paying a whole lot more, um, you know, for that other experience, right, out at, out in California. Now, we're talking about pretty extreme edge cases here, mm-hmm. right? There are only a handful of industries well, let me do where this. snobbery like this really reigns. Ron, let but me take a break. We're going to pick it up here when we come back, all right? got to get a break in. Let me take a break, and then we'll talk about parents navigating their way through this. And just like, you know, you can either know what you're doing when you buy a car or you don't, What I love about your book and having you on is that you strip away the mystique and the mystery from it as it relates to college education. And maybe you can enlighten some parents when we come back as to the best way to navigate this system, even if you want to play the game and call it awards and not discounts, etc. Ron Lieber, author of The Price You Pay for College, an entirely new roadmap for the biggest financial decision your family will ever make. I'm chuckling because this could save you a lot of money. Stay tuned for what he has to say next, 943-17. Till 10, all lanes are open on I-10 West on the higher rise. Congestion is approaching. Reed, be aware of that. Back in a flash, WWL. And so as we leave the hallowed halls of Tucker U, let us all remember that it's a business. And they have, uh, while there are some traditions and there are some memories and so forth, you're there to get an education and learn some skills that you can take out with you into the job world, but you have to pay for it. How do you maximize that dollar? Ron Lieber, author of The Price You Pay for College, an entirely new roadmap for the biggest financial decision your family will ever make. We've already discussed the problems with FAFSA and the incredibly flawed rollout of the revisions of that program. You can download the Odyssey app, use the Rewind feature if you want to go back and listen to that, or the audio will be, podcast, uh, be uh, posted at WWL.com shortly. Ron, uh, how can parents get the best bang for their buck? How do they go about negotiating with a school or, or play in the game of merit rewards, uh, awards or presidential this or that or the other thing? Well, you know, it starts... I think with the college shopping process in the first place, right, you want to try and figure out ahead of time, uh, you know, what the average price is that a school may offer, what sort of merit aid uh, they may offer, how they tend to price their wares. So you've got to fill out something known as the net price calculator that every school tends to offer. Uh, You've got to look at their so-called common data sets to sort of try to extract what kind of offers they make to people, even those who don't have any financial needs. So it sort of starts there. You know, for families that are in the mix already, you're going to get a bunch of these so-called award letters, which are really just pricing sheets, price quotes. And Mm -hmm. they represent a school's first offer, but maybe not its final offer, right? And so you want to compare all these things figure out what your net price is going to be uh, or would be to go to each of these schools. And then, you know, if your first choice is a little bit higher uh, than some of the others, you might want to go back to that first school and say, hey, you know, I'm ready to sign on the dotted line here. But, uh, you know, this competing institution with yours, uh, you know, down the street or over the state lines, 
is offering me a better deal. And, you know, if it's the kid making the call, you can just say, look, you know, my parents or parents, they've worked really hard here, um, but they're just not going to be able to afford, you know, this extra $4,000 per year. Is there anything you can do, Mr. or Mrs. Um, admissions officer or financial aid counselor, to help me get to yes here so I don't put my parents, you know, further behind the eight ball and then see how it goes. Again, no disrespect to anyone, Ron, but I, I, when you say that, I can only imagine the admissions counselor saying, well, let me go talk to my sales manager. You stay right here and let me see what I can do. What is it going to take for me to put you in this classroom today, right? Yeah, look, it's not dissimilar. Um, I, you know, and I'm not trying to denigrate it. I'm, I'm just trying. What I love no. about your book and your approach is it takes the mystique away from it, and the universities, colleges use that mystique to maybe charge a lot more than they than you would have to pay. Let me put it that way, because I'm all for a free enterprise and everything else, but there may be a way around that for the consumer. Accurate? Yeah, and let's be perfectly clear here, right? You know, the vast, vast, vast majority of people who work in financial aid offices and admissions offices at colleges and universities, public and private, local, regional, national, uh, they do not like this system, right? right? And they played little to no role in inventing it or evolving it. This is the system that they inherited. This is the marketplace we have. Um, price fixing and collusion is not allowed. Uh, we probably don't want it to be allowed. Uh, and so, you know, this is just how it works. And, um, you know, to my mind, the only way to, to break the system, you know, for people who would really like to have something better and more simple is for enough people to be trained and knowledgeable enough to beat the system. And that starts with peeling back the veneer, which is what we're trying to do. Thank you, Ron. Have a great day. I appreciate your time, as always. Thank you. Ron Lieber, author of The Price You Pay for College, an entirely new roadmap for the biggest financial decision your family will ever make. I hope that helped. Hope didn't maybe save you a couple of bucks. 954, 6 till 10. We'll find out what Noel Norman's got planned for us when we come back here on WWL. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 